You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Nehemiah chapter number 8, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand and The ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattitiah and Shema and Ananiah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Messiah. On his right hand and on his left, Pediah and Mishael and Malchi and Husham and Hashdana and Zechariah and Meshullam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, Amen. with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua and Bani and several other people, and the Levites, (laughs) and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand their reading. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. Um, I'm thankful for the privilege we have to be in church this morning. I do want to say we've got a great crowd here this morning. And uh, we had a lot of folks, that, I shouldn't say a lot, we had a handful of extra folks in the early service that were here uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, one was my wife. She came to the early service and, and uh, I, I think she was checking up on us to make sure we actually have church at 845. Because, you know, it's not live streamed and so you wonder, are they really having church or are they just eating donuts and drinking coffee? We do have church at 845. We've got a lot of witnesses, but... My wife came, and the reason uh, we were talking, it's been, we've talked about this quite a bit, but recently we were talking about some of our church members that always come to the early service, and Joanna said, I never get to see them, and so she came to the early service, and maybe that might be something you'd want to try. I don't want everybody from the 11 o'clock to switch to 845, that'd mess us up, uh, but maybe from time to time, if you want to slip in 845, uh, we, have, we, have, we average, I think, 110 in that early service every Sunday, 110 people that are in the auditorium, not here, but 110 at 845, and I thank the Lord for that. I will say this, um, if you've been wanting to do that, and maybe it just won't work with your schedule, in uh, the month of December, really right after Thanksgiving this year, we're going to go back for the month of December. I say December, it'd be from about Thanksgiving to about the first of the year, and uh, we're going to go to one combined morning service, and I know it's going to be tight, we may have to keep the choir up. Uh, If we have to pull out some chairs or something, we'll do that. If we have to do something different with junior church. But here's why. I don't ever want our church, I don't ever want it to to feel like two different churches. I want it to be we are one church family. And uh, especially in the month of December, we're going to have some very special services. Uh, Christmas Day 
falls on a Sunday. And we're going to have a wonderful service that morning. Uh, we will not have Sunday night. That night, Christmas night, we will have a service Saturday evening. It's Christmas Eve. And we're going to have a candlelight service, probably about 5 o'clock. It'll last for probably 45 minutes or an hour. And we'll have Christmas Eve. You say, well, I can't come to church on Christmas. Or I can't come to... Well, that's up to you. But... I just, I always forget, but I'm trying to remember whose birthday it is we celebrate on Christmas. And you know, I always forget that. And uh, I think you know I'm being silly. But uh, we're going to have church, and it's going to be great. We'll have some special services together, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, Zach and Karen, we always love it when you come. And Savannah, you're not that far, so you just keep coming back, and we love to have you here. And then Miss uh, Tracy, got your mom here for Pennsylvania. We're glad to have you. Moved in, so hey, you're you're official now. Um, we'll get some we'll get some uh, tape, and we'll make your your name place there on that pew. That'll just be your spot. And uh, other guests that are here, if I've not met you yet, I look forward to meeting you. And we're so thankful you're here today. Nehemiah chapter eight. This is a very important moment for the nation of Israel as they have returned from captivity. They've been in Babylon. They've now come back and they've rebuilt the temple. They've rebuilt the wall under the leadership of, of Ezra and Nehemiah. And they finished the wall. Remember last week we saw how that the focus was no longer on the wall and the physical building. But now the focus was on building the people. and Making sure that the people were everything that God wanted them to be. Well something happened in chapter 8 and verse number 1. The Bible says that all the people gathered themselves together and they went to the street. It's almost like a march. It's almost like a protest. Now, uh, by the way, I'm thankful that we live in the United States of America where we have the opportunity that we can uh, have our speech and we can let our uh, beliefs be known and we can speak our mind. But I'm thankful that this was not the kind of a, a protest where they're getting together and they're vandalizing buildings and looting stores and flipping police cars over. This was not that kind of a protest. Uh, I would imagine this was the, the kind of a gathering like I saw a few years ago in Washington, D.C. I, I saw it not on mainstream, but I saw some video clips of, uh, 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 of thousands of people walking peacefully through the streets of D.C., as they were promoting the right to life. And I thank God for that. And I thank God for, for, for people that stand for what is right and for people that stand for biblical values and people that do it with the right spirit too, by the way. But these people have gone to the streets. They've gathered together and they've got one request and their request was not to lower taxes. And their request was not to see the gas prices come down. And their request was not to, we need more of this and we need more of that. They had one request. And their one request was, they said, we need the Word of God. And can I tell you, I wish we'd get back to that in the United States of America. I wish we'd get back to a hunger for the, the things of God. I wish we'd get back to having the churches full and the shopping malls empty on Sunday. I'd wish we'd get back to having the churches overflowing and the ball stadiums look like there's just a few people scattered here and there. Can I tell you, we have seen what's happened to our nation when we have rejected God. We have seen what happens when we put the emphasis on sports and we put the emphasis on hobbies and we put the emphasis on self and pleasure. And can I tell you, it's not a good result. We as a people must get back to a desire 
for the things of God. And these people had a desire. They gathered in the street as one man. They were in unity. They were in unison. And they spake unto Ezra. And they said, would you please bring the book of the law? We need to know what God has for us. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us these few moments. Help us not to miss these truths from your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible tells us they had a hunger. They had a hunger for the Bible. Now, I understand that in this time, they did not all have a copy of the Bible like we do today. So they would gather and the, the priest would read the scripture and the priest would read the law. And they had portions of scripture, but they certainly didn't have the whole Bible. But they had the Old Testament law and they would gather together to have that read to them. The Bible says they got together in the morning and the priest read the scripture from morning until midday. Now, don't worry, I'm not planning to change the schedule today and preach until three o'clock this afternoon. But they gathered in the street and the priest read the scripture from morning till midday. And then he did it again the next day and the next. And for seven straight days, the Bible was read. They weren't sitting on padded pews. They weren't in an air conditioned building. They were outside in the street and the priest read the scriptures and the people could not get enough of it. Now I want to tell you, here's a danger that happens when you get saved and you've been saved a long time and you start to think that you know it all. Let's be honest, we've all been there. Oh, I've heard that story before. Oh, I've heard that passage. Oh, I know that Bible verse. Well, friend, I want to tell you, we may know it, but if we really know it and we really believe it, we wouldn't get tired of hearing it again. Uh, you, you, you won't get tired as a Christian. You won't get tired about hearing about Jesus unless you're backslid. You won't get tired about hearing about heaven unless you're backslid. You won't get tired of hearing about the things of God unless we have reached a point where we think we don't need God anymore. There was a request for the word of God. There was a desire. The Bible says that we are to be as newborn babes which desire the sincere milk of the word that she may grow thereby. Hold your place in Nehemiah chapter 8 and go forward a few books to the book of Psalms, please. I want you to notice Psalm 1 and I want you to see two verses in Psalm 1 about having a desire for the Word of God. You say, well, pastor, we're here in church. Don't you know we have a desire for the Bible? I understand that and I commend you for it and I thank, I thank God for that. But you can't rely on Sunday only to get the Bible. This cannot be your only spiritual meal of the week. You've got to get in the Word of God every day. You've got to have a desire. You ought to wake up in the morning and say, I wonder what God has for me today. I wonder what I'm going to find in the Bible today because I need something from God. Psalm 1, verse 2. It says, the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night and he shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Boy, I'd love to have that promise. I'd love to have prosperity and blessing and success. Well, the Bible tells us that success comes from hearing the Bible, from obeying the Bible, from doing what the Bible says. And these people in Nehemiah chapter 8, they had a desire for the word of God. 1 Corinthians, the Bible reminds us that it is the preaching of the cross. To them that perish, it is foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. 
I hope you don't get tired of preaching. Uh, now, you may get tired of the preacher from time to time, and you may say, man, that guy needs some help, you know. And uh, I understand that every preacher's got quirks and every preacher's got, you know, things that he says or does that that may not be your favorite. But I'll tell you this, if a preacher stands up and preaches the word of God, there ought to be a desire for that in our lives. I thank God for preaching. The preaching of the cross is to us which are saved the power of God. We saw this week, Brother Kenny Baldwin, who stood uh, he, right here. We had a different pulpit up here, but he was behind this pulpit. He didn't stand. He, he got on a stool. Because of his health and his strength, he can't stand. He can't move around. He can't raise his voice. But you know what he did this week? He opened the Bible and he preached the word of God. And I'll tell you, people responded to the gospel because preaching still works. The gospel still saves. Jesus is still in the saving business and people got saved. But you know what else happened this week? God spoke to me. You say, well, wasn't he just preaching to the teenagers? No, he was preaching the Bible. And everybody that was here, if you were listening, I'll tell you, God spoke to you because the preaching of the cross is the power of God to those that are saved. I hope you have a desire for the Bible. I hope you have a hunger for the word of God in your life. Victor Hugo was a French author. He wrote about England. He said that England has two books. They have the Bible and they have Shakespeare. He said the difference is this. Shakespeare was made. Shakespeare was a, a product of England. But he said England was a product of the Bible. And it is the Bible that shaped that nation. It is the Bible that I believe has shaped our nation. And it is the Bible that ought to shape your life and shape my life. We ought to be who we are based upon what the Word of God tells us to do. Number one, the request. They had a desire for the word of God to be read. Number two, the reading. The Bible says in verse number two that Ezra the priest, he brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. So Ezra stands up. It's the first day of the seventh month, and he begins to read. And he begins to read the Bible. He begins to share the word of God. Verse number four. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit or a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose. Verse number 18. The Bible says that he read every day for seven days. And the people didn't say, oh, oh, here we go again. You know what the people did every day? They showed up. Every day they said, give us more. Every day they said, we need this. We need the Bible in our lives. We need the Bible in our homes. We need the Bible in our nation. And the Bible was read. I hope you don't wait till church to have the word of God read to you. I hope you read it to yourself every day. I hope you wake up in the morning and get in the word of God. And I hope before you go to bed at night, you open the pages of scripture and let God speak. God has a message for his people. Number three, I see the reverence. The Bible says in verse number five that when Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, that when he opened it, all the people stood up. Now, Brother Dan, we had the scripture reading and Brother Dan asked, he said, would you please stand? And we read the scripture. Now, some churches don't do that and we don't always do that. And I'm not saying that that's a law or that, that you have to do every time. But here's what I am saying. The Bible 
ought to be a book that has a very high priority in your life. And we ought to have a respect for the Bible. If I tell you, I say, you know, uh, I'm not so sure I like the way that you did this, or I'm not so sure I like the way you did this, you may or may not agree with me. But when I stand up and I preach the Bible, I hope there is 100% agreement, not because I said it, but because of what I said, because it is the Word of God. We had this week, we had our combined chapel on Tuesday, and Brother Kenny Baldwin preached, and the Rochester family sang. We had a great service. And we have the pledges. And when we have the pledges in this, uh, in this room or any room, we say, oh, let's all stand together and let's pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag. You know why? Because we have a respect for that flag. When the national anthem is played, what do we do? We stand out of respect. You go into a courtroom. You say, well, I don't really like that judge. Well, it doesn't matter if you like that judge or not. You know what you're going to do in that courtroom? When that judge comes in, you're going to stand. And how much more so should we have respect for the word of God. You see, the people, they had a request, a desire for the word, the reading of the word. Number three, the reverence for the word, a respect. But then I see number four, I see a response. You see, when the Bible was read, the people responded to it. Now, I cannot imagine how this happens, but it does. But how is it that the creator of the universe... The God that spoke the worlds into existence, the sun and the moon and the stars and the, the planets and the galaxies are all there because of God's power and they're all sustained because of God's power. And you're here today and your heart is beating today because God made it that way. You can see me today because God gave you the eyes to see. You are breathing today because God gave you the lungs to breathe and God gave you the air that you could breathe. You're here today because of God and the creator of the universe speaks to us through his word. And he speaks to us through the preaching and the teaching of his word. And how could we not respond? Could you imagine, Brother Dan, I used this uh, in the early service, but I remember you, you read the article or you shared the, the report some months ago about the Supreme Court of the United States. They made a ruling. They sent that ruling to a county in California and they said, this is what you need to do. And that county in California said, no, we don't. And, I mean, how, I, that blows my mind. Amen. How could the Supreme Court of the United States say, this is what you're going to do. And some puny little county and some county officials say, no, we're not. But I got a better one for you. How is it that the God of the universe could speak to you and speak to me? And we not respond. Or even worse, that we hear what God is saying and we refuse to do it. Or we shake our fist and say, God, who do you think you are? I'll tell you who he is. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And someday every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. How could we not respond? How could we not obey when God speaks? Notice the response that uh, took place, verse number six. I love this. Ezra stood up to preach, and as he began to preach, verse six, it says, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Now, that word bless, it means to kneel. It means to adore. It means to praise. And it means to thank. So, so I want you to imagine in your mind, the people are gathered in the street. 
They, they've requested that the word of God be read. And so Ezra stands up to read the Bible. And as he gets started reading the Bible, Ezra, the preacher himself, he says, folks, time out. I just, I just got to take a minute. I just got to thank God for being so good. Folks, if you'll excuse me for just a minute, I know I'm supposed to be reading the Bible to you, but I just want to praise God. I just want to tell you about how great he is. Boy, that's a blessing when the preacher gets blessed by the preaching, let me tell you that. And the preacher himself, he said, I just got to bless God. I just got to praise God. I just got to give him thanks for how good he's been. That's how it started. But then once he started reading, verse number six, and all the people answered. What did they say? They said the same word twice. Amen. 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 You know what? It's a good thing when people respond to the preaching of the word of God. You say, well, I'm not so sure about that amen stuff. That sounds really kind of, you know, kind of strange. Amen means it's true. I believe it. Let it be so. When you say amen, all you're doing is you're saying, I agree with that. Now, let's be honest. We don't all agree about everything. If I got up and I told you my opinion about Duke basketball. I didn't even say what it was and you're already disagreeing with me and I didn't tell you what it was. You may not agree with that. If I got up here, I'll make some of you mad right now. I'm not saying I believe this, but if I did, if I got up and I said, oh, let me tell you something. Best truck ever built is a Ford truck. Whoa, you see, there's, there's some response, some good, some bad. If I said, oh, those Fords, those Fords are good for nothing. You got to get you a Chevy truck. That's what you need. Some of you would be on board with that, right? If I stood up and I said, now, folks, I don't, I don't mean to make an issue of this, but the best chicken, the best chicken in Roanoke Rapids is Popeye's chicken. Oh, some of you, you'd be ready to fight me over that. You'd say, Popeye's, that's a bunch of garbage. It's Chick-fil-A or it's, it's Hardee's or it's, you know, Ralph's or wherever you... And, and we've got a lot of different opinions about a lot of different things. But here's what I like. When Ezra read the word of God, all the people, they said, amen, amen. We believe the Bible. We believe the Bible is true. We believe it's the word of God. We believe we ought to do what the Bible says. And there ought to be a response. Not everybody says amen. Some people say, mm-hmm. Some people say, that's right. That's good. In the early service, Brother Bobby Jones was back there. And I pointed him out and I said, Brother Bobby, he just always says glory. I don't know what else he knows how to say, but he knows how to say Glory. And I don't, know what, I don't know what it is for you, but I'll say this. There ought to be some response. You say, well, Pastor, I just, I don't really like to say that, and I don't really like to do that. Well, you could nod your head and not in sleep. You could nod in agreement. That's always good, right? You know, you could nod your head. But there needs to be a response. The Bible says that Ezra blessed the Lord, and the people said, amen, amen. And then it says this, then they lifted up their hands. And they weren't lifting their hands because they had a question. They were lifting their hands in praise to God. The Bible says in Psalm 63, Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. 
Psalm 134, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. First Timothy says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. You know what happens when people raise their hands? They're saying, I just want to let everybody know God's been good. I just want to lift my hands to the Lord. I'm not talking about drawing attention to yourself. I'm not talking about anything that's charismatic. I'm not talking about anything that's, that's spooky. I'm just saying this. When God speaks to you and God does something in your heart, it ought to be all you can do to just say, I really can't run out right now. And I really can't scream at the top of my lungs. And I really shouldn't start climbing on the pews. But at least I can say amen. At least I can raise a hand. At least I can let people know that God's been good. And I can bless the Lord with my response doesn't stop there. The Bible says that they said amen. The Bible says that they lifted up their hands, but then it says they bowed their heads. I think we've got a lot of lifting of hands, but I'm not so sure we have enough bowing of heads. You say, what's bowing of heads? Well, let's go on and see what it says. They bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They were not in an auditorium like this. They were out in the street. They were out in the dirt. And they were out in the dust. And they were out where all the animals and all the people had been walking through. And they said, we're not too good. And we're not too proud that we can't bow our heads and put our faces in the ground and worship God because of how good he's been. You know what this sounds like to me? This sounds a lot like an invitation. And by the way, none of these people were coming to get saved. These people were all just coming because God had been good to them. They were just coming because God had spoken to them. And they on the street, they bowed their heads and they put their faces to the ground to worship the Lord. We see the response. I want you to know this morning that as God's people, we can't just be hearers of the word. I'm afraid that's what we've become we're hearers of the word, but sometimes we're not doers of the word. Sometimes God speaks and here's what we do. I'll sit in Brother Dan's chair so I can imitate Brother Dan. <laughs> we sit and the preacher preaches and we think, yeah, that's good. I, I hope so-and-so's listening. I hope so-and-so's getting this. Yeah, preacher sure's nailing their sin right now. Yep. I'm glad they're here. Or wonder where so-and-so is. They really need this one. Boy, this one, this probably got their name on it. The pastor probably wrote their name on the top of this sermon, and I wish they were here to hear it. But can I tell you, that's, that's not what God's trying to do right now. God's trying to speak to you. God's got something for you. And if you can listen to a whole message and, and you're only thinking about what somebody else is supposed to do, friend, you missed it. Because God has a message for you and for me, and it is found in his word. Maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you need a fresh start. Maybe you've gotten away from God. This event in Nehemiah chapter 8, it took place on the first day of the seventh month. It's what the children of Israel referred to as the Feast of the Trumpets. You know why they called it the Feast of of the trumpet. Somebody take a stab at it. Why do you think they call it the Feast of the Trumpets? Because, that's exactly right, Brother John, because there were trumpets. 
And you know what they did during the Feast of the Trumpets? They got quiet. They got with God. They thanked God. And then every once in a while, somebody would blow a trumpet. And you know why they blow those trumpets? Those trumpets were reminders of just how good God's been, the victories that had been won, the battles that they had fought, and the battles that God had taken them through. And those trumpets would sound, and I got good news for you. There's another trumpet that's going to sound one of these days. And when that trumpet sounds, Jesus is coming back. And they were doing this on the first day of the seventh month. It was like their new year. It was like a fresh start. And they said, we've got to get alone with God and thank him for how good he is. We've got to have the trumpets. But then also in this passage, we see that on the 10th day of the seventh month was the day of atonement. The day of atonement was a very special day for the children of Israel because that was the day when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would apply the blood to the mercy seat. An animal had been killed, an animal had been sacrificed, and that blood was taken, and that blood was, was used to atone. It was used to cover the sins of the people. That blood is what paid the price for the sin. But on that day, an animal was killed, but there was another animal that was released. That animal was the scapegoat. And friend, I want to tell you, Jesus was our atonement. Jesus shed his blood to cover our sins and to pay the price for our sin. And while we should have died, Jesus died in our place and you and I went free. We were the scapegoat. We got away and we should have been the ones that were sacrificed and paid the price for our own sin. But not only this, and we'll get to this next week, but on the 15th day of the seventh month, this same month in Nehemiah chapter 8, from the 15th day to the 21st day, they had the Feast of the Tabernacles. The Feast of the Tabernacles is where the Bible says in verses 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 that they built booths. And those booths were kind of like tents that they would dwell in. Even though they were in the city, they set up tents outside their house and they lived in those tents to remind them of the time when they were wandering in the wilderness and God took care of them every step of the way. I want to tell you, friend, I don't know, you might feel like you're going through a wilderness right now. And you may feel like there's no way out. And you may feel like it's going to get better and it doesn't get better. It gets worse and things get worse and worse and harder and harder. But I want to remind you about this. If God could take care of his people in the wilderness for 40 years, if he could give them food, if he could give them water, if he could protect them, if he could provide for them, God can take care of you. And for the children of Israel, they realize their need for the word of God. They said, Ezra, please, would you read us the Bible? And then when Ezra read the Bible, they said, we're going to do something about it. We're going to respond. And we're going to get things right with God. I want to challenge you today. Would you get things right with God? You say, well, pastor, I'm already right with God. Good. Wonderful. Then I think we probably all should be praising God. I think we all should be thanking him and blessing him for what he's done. But if you're here today, you say, I'm not right with God. This would be a great day. This would be a great start. I think about these folks that got baptized. I think about these folks that joined the church. What a, what a great day. You know what these folks need? They need the word of God. And you know what every one of us here today need? We need the word of God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.